0: When you think of a niche for your business, you might naturally consider serving a specific industry or market, but a niche isn't always an industry. It can be a service you offer. Obedient Agency is a humor branding agency. Their niche is humor and they help grow brands that make people laugh. In this episode, we explore the creative process to generate humor-driven marketing and how this agency owner protects the greatest asset of creativity while on the path to building a seven-figure business. Welcome to the Small But Mighty Agency Podcast. If you're a creative consultant or agency owner who wants to know what the roller coaster ride really looks like to grow your business from one to many, you're in the right place. My guest and I pull back the curtains on the realities of growing and running agencies of different sizes and what it takes to build a team. And if you're anything like me, you want more than the highlight reel. You want to learn from the mistakes of others so that you can stop short of making the same mistakes. I'm your host, Audrey Joy Kwan. I spend my days as a coach and consultant to multiple six and seven figure agency owners. For the last seven years, I've been behind the scenes helping people grow, lead and operate small but mighty agencies. Here at the Small But Mighty Agency, podcast will uncover what works and equally as important, what didn't work to get these business owners to where they are today. Hey, welcome back to the Small But Mighty Agency podcast. Help me welcome Ali. She's one half of a dynamic duo who owns an agency called Obedient. Ali, tell us more about your agency.
1: Yeah. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Allie Lefevre. I am a co-founder of Obedient Agency. We are a creative agency specializing in humor. And really, our our uh, I think our unique differentiator is that we use some version of humor and really developing dynamic brand voices and personalities when we're working with our clients.
0: When I think of the dictionary meaning of the word obedient, it means willing to comply or obey. There's an element of comedy in your name because using humor in marketing helps people break out of the same old thinking patterns. Tell me the story behind the name of your agency.
1: Yeah, so when we were coming up with a name for our agency, we—I mean, we—we we brainstormed a million ideas. One of the things we were really fixated on is coming up with a name that used plosives, which are basically there's a few letters of the alphabet that are really dynamic: B, D. That are just some. There's a few in the alphabet that are really dynamic, and they and they're really memorable, and they kind of cement in a, kind of a name or a, a memory and a sound. So we wanted to find a, a name that actually like had some of those letters, and then when we were playing around with ideas. We thought it'd be really fun to take a subversive approach. Um, as far as we know, we're the first humor marketing agency that exists. At least we trademarked that. So. So we we thought we would use a bit of subversion, and and so the whole idea behind obedient is that we are anything but when when we approach um, branding and marketing, and so especially as two women co founders, we thought it was a bit cheeky as well. And and you know, it's it's it's, naming something's really challenging, but it is still probably my favorite part of our business. I love our name, and I'm still very proud of it. And uh, yeah, so it's been it's been really cool.
0: Tell us how you started your agency.
1: So my background, I worked in brand strategy and development. I worked at a myriad of consulting firms. I um, jumped ship at some point about nine years ago, and I uh, I joined a, a startup. It was one of the first subscription box companies to the market, and I joined as their VP of engagement. And the reason I got brought on in that role is because at the time, I was working in In kind of on the brand side, but I also had a satirical blog just talking about life in my 20s in Chicago. And so one of the principals I worked with brought me on uh, in that role because essentially she liked the way I I wrote. And she wanted to infuse humor into the brand. And so that was my first foray into developing a brand voice and um, really an entire brand personality, everything from kind of the language of the brand and systematizing that through the aesthetic and just how it shows up visually. And my business partner, who has been my best friend for over a decade, she was running her own copywriting shop. And she's also a comedy writer. And we were doing a lot of similar things. And so sometimes we would just talk about projects and riff on ideas and found that our approach and our style was very similar. And about six and a half years ago, we just uh, we were both doing things independently. So I had left the startup and she was still running her own copy shop. And we just said, why are we doing this alone? Why don't we join forces and build something together? Because we're both kind of operating in isolation here and doing a lot of overlapping work. And we started Obedient. And it's been the best thing in the whole wide world because we just get along so well. We have a ton of overlapping skill sets. And then we're you know, quite different in a lot of ways in terms of how we think. So I think we have just been a seamless partnership and, and have really all the, all the brainstorming we do and creative ideas have only been, I think, heightened and enhanced by our ability to really trust each other and come to the table and, and appreciate all the zany ideas we can bring. And so it's just been a dream truly uh, working with her.
0: Some partnerships excel, and others fizzle out. What has made your partnership work so well over the last six years?
1: I think we're to get uh, you know maybe a little cheesy for a second. I think we're both people really committed to personal growth and really showing up in, in kind of the healthiest way possible for ourselves and for one another. So I think that inherently we we have taken a lot of time to be good humans for ourselves and be good humans for each other, uh, be good business partners, be good thinking partners, um, build a lot of trust In have a really good rapport, uh, have a lot of fun, not lose sight of kind of why we started this thing in the first place. We wanted to be able to explore and express creative ideas. We wanted to have freedom and flexibility. We wanted to work on really rad projects. We wanted to eliminate some of that red tape that we found in some of our previous work experiences. And, I, and we just talk about all of those things all the time I mean we talk a, a million hours a day and then we talk all through the weekend and in the evenings and so I think we just have such a such a good friendship and uh such an openness with, with one another that we never let anything that gets sticky get in the way of of what we've built in terms of our personal relationship and our professional ones so yeah it, it doesn't mean it's it's been 100% seamless, but God, it's been like 99.5% seamless. So it's been, um, yeah, I think that's part of it. I think we have a really nice dialogue and an open line of communication and trust.
0: For partners to work well together and own a business, there must be shared values that both of you have. Tell us more mm-hmm. about the values that support your business partnership. I
1: think just, yeah, try to have in- integrity in, in the work we do and how we do it. I just think if you if you try to live with as as much as integrity as you can, then you don't have to worry about a lot of things. Um, life just gets a lot easier. Life's hard enough in a lot of ways, and so if you're not kind of creating and manufacturing your own nonsense, then it helps. <laughs> so maybe you know that I've, I've never been asked that, but but maybe that's what I I mean by it. <laughs> a lot of different adjectives I threw at you. <laughs> I don't know if I have anything formal like a a five. Tier value plan or anything, but just in terms of how we you know, how we think about things and we approach things, definitely uh, having. In, I mentioned this already, but having integrity in what we do, I think we try to take the most transparent and honest approach to to everything. Um, in terms of the inner workings of our business, and then just the way we treat clients, and the way we treat each other, and the way we treat our colleagues, and so having kind of a high level of of ethics in that perspective, the best creative idea wins. So we are not precious with our ideas. We are very open and we there is a ton of space to to come up with as many creative and wild and ridiculous and sometimes terrible ideas as possible and the best idea wins. And so we're really good at defaulting to whatever that is. I think we're both you know i'll just kind of speak to me and lindsay but I, it definitely permeates i would say the entire agency definitely people committed to you know I try to say things in the least cliche possible cliche way possible but you know we're definitely people who are a plus people so if it means we got to spend another 20 minutes on something to get from the a to the a plus we will we'll we'll work till we exhaust all all of the best ideas and creative options um we're very systematized and organized so i think that when you eliminate kind of the clutter and chaos and the, in terms of the inner workings of your business, it leaves a ton of space for creative play. And then just like play and fun. I mean, our whole agency is built on humor and fun and delight and surprise. And it's just how we try to live our lives. It's how we try to run our agency. And we we try to bring that energy into the entire process. So if you're one of our clients and you come through our process, every touch point is funny and entertaining and engaging and the way we ramp up new folks on projects is, is the same. And, and yeah, so I think we just really try to make fun um, a top priority, even though we're, we're working on projects that, that take a lot of, you know, time and energy and, and there's a lot of strategy and thoughtfulness that goes into them. It's got to feel good. That's the whole reason we did our own thing. is so we weren't kind of, you know, victims of a, of a, of, or prisoners of our own making. So yeah, so those are some that are you know top of mind.
0: Naturally, funny people wow me. I don't think I have that gift. At least it doesn't come naturally to me. And I know one person's funny isn't always funny to everyone. The creative process for humor must mean going through many bad ideas to get to the good ones. Tell me about the creative process.
1: So when we actually get to uh, the brainstorming piece, every single idea that we have has to end up on paper because sometimes – You'll read a really we call them like the look when when we it's kind of a badge of honor when we go, oh my god, that's so dumb. Like what we mean is like, oh, it's so funny, it made me laugh. It was so goofy and silly. Sometimes the most silly offbeat, ridiculous, absurd things, like there's an there's a kernel of an idea in there. You're like, okay, the the structure of that line is not right, or like the the punchline isn't right. But that's a really good benefit to, to draw out. So how do we get to that same idea in, in in a more aligned tone of voice or a more cohesive, you know, tone or personality that matches up with the brand? Or how do we say that same thing that's a little bit more accessible to the audience at large? So, you know, if you if you do A to B thinking or A to B humor, you're going to get kind of the lowbrow ideas. If you allow yourself to go A to B and then B to C and C to D, and you really keep kind of rolling with whatever is on the paper and and keep exploring each other's ideas and and jokes and punchlines and one-liners. And it's, I think you just, there's so much good stuff in there. Even if an idea starts out as just embarrassingly bad and broken, you can really do incredible... Things with it. And like you might see a hint of it in a final idea. And sometimes it's just, it's the compass pointing in the right direction, but the delivery is wrong. So, yeah, I mean, it's, we just, there's no such thing as a bad idea. Every bad idea leads somewhere. And so that's why we do, we, we do a video series called Can They Brand That? And it allows us to just get comfortable playing in a, in an improv space where we pick a brand, set a timer, pick a brand that we've never worked with, set the timer for 20 minutes, put ourselves on video and riff ideas, because it allows us to just continually flex the muscle of generating um, idea after idea, after campaign, after slogan, and getting every idea out, even if it's not necessarily great. There might be something really funny or compelling in there. Um, And usually, you know, if it's a 20-minute brainstorm, we usually can get down to five minutes of like, wow, that's, that's some good stuff. So... Yeah, it's um I don't think people should be so afraid of it.
0: Thanks for giving us that inside peek at how you work through your creative process for humor. In the six years you have been running your agency, what has been the most challenging for you to grow your business?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for us the most challenging part is knowing what kind of growth we want to have. So we we really got into this work because we love the actual creative. We love working on brand we love working with clients on their brand. We love the creative piece. We love, yeah, we we really love the ideas and the execution. And so we were at a point about two and a half years ago where we were growing pretty rapidly and we were bringing on new talent. And then we got to a point where so much of our job ended up being um, managers, and we were kind of managing the projects, and and then really still doing some of the work. But so much of our energy was spent elsewhere that we decided we want to stay small but mighty. We want to to be a boutique agency. We really want to get our continue to get our hands dirty. We want to bring on and keep the the right talent, the people we've worked with for most of them the last six years, and continue to just nurture everyone's skill set and talent and and be able to be this awesome, creative, cohesive, uh, dynamic team. But growth for us is growth in terms of types of projects we work on, stretching ourselves into industries that we've never worked in before, taking on creative challenges that are really difficult. Um, we're kind of in the process of right now of potentially working on a funeral home, which is uh, an insanely difficult creative challenge to how do you bring levity to something that's so fraught with um, grief (laughs) and it's very serious. So I think for us, um, growth has looked very different and we're very comfortable in that space. I think we thought for a long time we had to to grow to be a 150 person agency and we just don't really want that. And I think that's okay. And we're both really excited about where we are.
0: Did you know that I have a coaching program called The Mighty Pod Model? In the high-touch program, we help our clients go from solopreneur to an agency owner so they can gain more freedom by having a service business where client work isn't dependent on them to scale. Maybe you started as a solopreneur with zero people in your business. Eventually, you bring in an assistant and contractors, but you continue to hold on to the strategy and direct communication with your clients. Before you know it, you're at capacity. So what happens if you want to grow bigger? Meet the Mighty Pod model. The Mighty Pod model isn't just a business model it's a high touch coaching program that helps you go from solopreneur to agency owner with a profitable streamlined and strategic roadmap if you're feeling like the bottleneck in your business download our free mighty pod model cheat sheet go to audreyjoyquan.com forward slash free resources that's a-u-d-r-e-y-j-o-y-k-w-a-n.com forward slash free resources or click the link in the show notes right there in your podcast app to get the free Mighty Pod Model cheat sheet. Back to the show. In any business, revenue matters. A business needs to make money to thrive. Mm-hmm. Revenue is important to you, but not at the cost of your lifestyle. So that being said, your agency is on the path to seven figures. Yeah. How are you navigating the balance between business growth, creativity, and time off?
1: I think we have a very clear vision of the agency we, we want to build. So part of it is that we are highly specialized as an agency in terms of the type of approach we take when working on brands, and so I think that's allowed us to have cost of working with us is a, a level we're quite comfortable with, right? So we're not um, we're not freelancers, we're not working. It's not a you know, <laughs> eat what you kill kind of situation, so. Um I think our prices are reflective of the path to success. The volume of work is reflective to that path of, to success and growth. I and mean, we have definitely have like target numbers we want to hit every month in terms of bringing on new clientele and and uh, you know project load and and things like that. but we also are very equally committed to having a ton of flexibility in how we work. um the good news is we we don't have a ton of overhead as an agency. Um, we, everyone works remotely and we've been like that since the beginning. Lindsay and I both used to be in Chicago and she moved during the pandemic. And um, and so we've kind of always built this agency that we had a ton of flexibility. I mean, we are, we are we play in the world of ideas and so we don't have to, we don't have physical product or we don't need a physical space in order to generate the best ideas for our clients. So that was always great that we have very minimal overhead in terms of how we operate. Which gives us a lot of room to play and grow and flex and try things and, and I think for us it's you know we, <laughs> I n- never really share this but I'll share this with you is we always joke that we have, <laughs> we have um, east coast starting times and west coast I'm sorry uh, west coast starting times and east coast end times, so we we start our workday around ten a.m. we get done around three thirty four and we have a lot of flexibility in between because ultimately it's not that we're sitting at a laptop banging out ideas for 8 hours a day it's that a lot of the creative process is like giving yourself space to think and then at 1 in the morning if i happen to be up i'm firing off a couple ideas in a notes app and then revisiting it and so we like cre- creativity and to have it's it's not something i think that is can be completely commodified and that you can like tap into your most creative self for 40 hours a week. I mean, I think we recognized very quickly that we needed to give ourselves time to just like marinate in creative ideas and, and play and explore and, and so that we can really provide the best work possible. And we also just want a sustainable, uh, long-term, I mean, you know, ourselves and our, you know, our teammates, People want to spend time with their families. People want to spend time in their other outside activities and hobbies and their pets. And so, we just the work is the most important. And um, but but there's a lot of ways and there's plenty of time to to get to the best ideas. You don't have to just. We're not really locked in entirely in that nine to five structure by any means, and it comes from the top. We we didn't want that. <laughs>
0: Innovation and creativity come from having space, and it sounds like you honor that in your business and have built it into how you do things. Knowing what works for you and your team sometimes comes from that lived experience of what doesn't work. Tell me about an experience in your agency life that you have learned from.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> even thinking about it gives me like a wave of anxiety that sweeps over me. Um, I worked in a corporate setting for many years, and I would work 60, 80 at my peak seasons, I'd be working 100 hours a week, traveling multiple days a week. And as I look back, so much of the chaos and the late nights and the last minute deadlines were all due to inefficiencies in a system or a process. And it was because people were dropping the ball or there weren't things systematized up front or... People weren't having open lines of communication. And so everyone had to recoup the time and eat into their personal lives in order to make things still run. And so when we started obedient, I would say this is probably the thing that I probably, Lindsay's very organized too, but I definitely pushed is that right out the gate, we need systems, we need operations, we need tools, we need platforms so that. We start this thing, you know, as we're building our baby from the ground up, it is as efficient as humanly possible. Now we have tweaked things a thousand times over, but I, I hate doing things over for the sake of doing things over. I don't like to like just repetitive nonsense, duplicated work. I just drives me bonkers. And so I think that when, and I think some people thrive and love to kind of live in that chaotic state. And so they don't take the time to just pause and go like, what is, where the friction points here? What's broken in our system? And so they end up creating a business that is, that they become, you know, enslaved to. And that was something that I just didn't want. I think I had such, I was just so haunted by how stressed I've always felt in work. And I would wake up every morning with like a, a bit of anxiety because I just knew I would be working for 12, 14 hours and now I think that's why, you know, we joke about our work hours now is like, I can't believe that I get to do what I love and do it in a way I definitely, you know, we work hard, but like, I don't, I never feel stressed when I open my eyes in the morning. I never feel anxious is because the only thing we really have to think about every day is what are the, you know, aside from like getting on client calls and keeping them happy and, and continuing to build those relationships, like how good does the creative have to be today? And so that is, that's something that it's like all the other minutiae we've kind of controlled for and as much as that, as much as we can. And so now it's like, it's just up to us to generate good ideas and to listen to our clients and to meet their needs and exceed their expectations and get them excited for the creative. And so, yeah, we are very, as as much as we pride ourselves as being, you know, wildly creative and and fun and entertaining and all that, we are highly, uh, a highly well oiled machine <laughs> kind of at its core. And because I just um, you know, I don't know if that's the Libra in me that likes a balance, but I don't want to live in that state anymore. I did a, I did it for a, a very long time <laughs> in my professional life and it's just grotesque and exhausting. But you
0: turned that lesson into a way to help your business thrive. That's inspiring. So what other systems do you have in your business that help you stay focused?
1: Yeah, gosh, I don't know how Wildly revolutionary, unique it'll be to people listening. But for example, you know, I take client, dis- I take like new intake calls on only two days a week. There's a three hour window on each day. So I know that at that time, that's where my brain has to go. Uh, when it comes to project calls, so, you know, any sort of initial kickoff discovery call or any check-in calls and presentations or, um, project wraps, like they're on specific days at specific times. So like those are set aside to think in that specific way. And like, that's the part of my brain or our brains that we have to turn on at that time. Yeah. I think we just really try to run a tight ship so that the creative is the cream that, <laughs> that rises to the top. But yeah, those are some things I just, you know, uh, highly like we, we, we schedule work time and we schedule kind of the creative play time, and those are just kind of non-negotiables throughout the week. Which are which is great because we, I think it's like also you get in this rhythm of like what parts of my brain do I need to turn on uh, today. So it's just been really helpful because I know like Wednesdays it's free play, and then you know the other days of the week I have to be a little bit more client facing or get get into creative work, etc.
0: How you frame that by saying, quote, you run a tight ship so that the creative is the cream that rises to the top, unquote. That's powerful. When you have processes and systems, it gives you back brain space and bandwidth to focus on what needs your attention. Ali, before we wrap up here, what keeps you inspired and motivated?
1: I think the fact that our agency is rooted in fun and humor, it is the thing I want to just... (laughs) <laughs> Marinate in all the time. So I, I, so much of the work we do is funny and fun and and it's uplifting and it's exciting and it's energizing and, and so that is I think that's what keeps from like a very professional setting that that's what keeps me going and excited about obedient is because we've chosen a lane that we like to be in and where we think we're you know exceptionally good at but also like who doesn't want to riff jokes and and clever funny ideas with their you know team um and so i think we get to just i I really do think we get to laugh for a living so so much of that is just energizing exciting especially you know when we have projects we're like oh we've never done something like this before this is gonna be a hoot and then outside of that you know i just i am uh, very much i would say a an extroverted heart um Things have probably changed over the last couple of years with just being so isolated and, and inside. So, but like just spending a ton of time with my pals and my husband and my dog, and and kind of keeping my life fairly simple. I try to have a lot of fun and very little drama in my own life. So I, you know, life has again has enough challenges and hardships and uh, you know moments that you cannot control or plan for. But so I think that if you if you kind of keep smooth sailing as much as you can, then when those moments come, you're not off kilter.
0: And where can people find you online?
1: Yeah, uh, obedientagency.com, I would say is, you know, the heartbeat of and, the, you know, the digital home of Obedient. Um, we're also active on Instagram and YouTube at Obedient Agency. And I would say that those are the best places. Ali, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having
0: me. there thanks for hanging out with me at the small but mighty agency podcast if you enjoyed this episode it would mean the world to me if you hit the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app and share it with a friend i'll see you in the next one